fact that it was it is so good to have the Murphys in here coming from their home church up in Ennis now to assist in a dedication here. I appreciate you guys. Can you give Bo and Sheree another hand, please? Anymore, it's not politically correct to point people out like that, but uh, they're uh, old home folk, and I don't mean the old part in a literal context. So uh, I'm just glad to see you guys and so glad to hear uh, you you minister again, Sheree. Um, I have been compelled to go in a direction here this morning and quite possibly um, subsequent weeks to come by the Holy Spirit. And um, I hope and pray that this morning it you will not simply indulge me, please, but it's my prayer that you will listen with tuned ears and discerning hearts. That's my prayer today. Because we're going to go in a direction that I simply don't oft go. Well, quite frankly, I don't go here, period. So with that said, I guess it's not oft if I don't do it, huh? With that said, I want you to open in your Bibles to our text verse this morning in the book of Psalm, Psalms, the 11th chapter and the third verse. Um, while I am, while you are turning there, of course, the text will be on uh, the screen behind me. I just want to give acknowledgement uh, to our district bishops, uh, brother and sister Carico. I'm so glad to see you this morning uh, in our church. Remind me, I've got to get with you because I need you to preach for me. And it's also good to see if I'm looking past these lights appropriately or, or correctly, our district youth director. Uh, I don't see sister youth director. There she is out on the aisle. Good to have you guys in our congregation this morning as well. Psalm 11 and 3, very, very brief, states the simple statement. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When we come into the sanctuary of our local church, we want to hear about Jesus. We want to hear about any, any matter of things directly connected to the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Almighty God, all things connected thereto. When we come into the sanctuary, that's what we want to hear about. We want to hear about the joyous Jesus of our hearts and our lives, right? Okay. There is, in a few corners of Christendom, there are sometimes some platforms given to things not often thought about with respect to the kingdom of God. This morning... As I have already stated, I have been compelled to move to one of those things that when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, when we think about all things connected to Him and the kingdom of God, we sometimes don't, don't really take into account 
the type of things we're going to be talking about this morning and quite probably subsequent, subsequent weeks to come. With that said, if it hasn't already, things are about to get really real in our country and in the world. With members of the progressive left promising, of all things, civil war if the incumbent president of the United States is reelected. But if he isn't, we have an equally unpleasant outcome to look forward to with progressive socialists and self admitted Marxists openly seeking to fundamentally transform our country, erasing any resemblance to the original intention of our founders. This is the reality that we are currently living in. If you are not current on current events with respect to our country and its situation, what I say this morning is in no way, shape, or form either a fabrication or an elongating of the truth. Follow me this morning. I want to say from the onset, right here at the beginning of this verse, let me say that this message this morning is not a naive attempt to solve the world's problems. You know, all I have to do right now to get this whole room in another lane is quote Second Chronicles 7 and 14. That's all I have to do. But I'm telling you right now that this message is not an attempt to solve the world's problems. Do you want to know why? Because the world's problems, look at me careful, are not fixable. They are not fixable. They simply are too ingrained and too interwoven into our various societies to attempt to extract them so that we can have a do-over. The bottom line is, is there are no do-overs. There is only moving forward. That's what we have as American citizens and as the Church of Jesus Christ. We're not getting any do-overs, ladies and gentlemen. We're moving forward. That's all there is. Unless your clock has stopped ticking, the only option that we have is to move forward in history. The world's problems cannot be solved outside of Jesus and His plan for man. And that isn't even a condition of solving problems. That's a condition of establishing a brand new kingdom. Remember these things. Remember what you're seeing, what you're watching on the news, what you're experiencing with masks, 
and racially charged comments, conversations, and atmospheres, all these things must come to pass. And we haven't even gotten started yet. It is unavoidable. Listen now. As Matthew speaks. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in the fourth verse, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. I don't know if you remember this, but the actor Jamie Foxx, from his own lips, referred to Barack Obama as the Messiah. Does anyone remember that? I have one person. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it, listen now, that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. The kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. It is simply unavoidable, brothers and sisters. Now, what we as people tend to do, Paul, is we, we tend as people to take the path of least resistance and blame the closest person around as to who the fault belongs to. Adam did it to Eve. Eve did it to the serpent. We do it to our political pundits. Yes? Now, it's easy to blame our elected officials. The problem isn't simply with our elected officials. Oh, they get the heat. As a matter of fact, do you realize that right now, if we had an election right now, and this is only according to the polls, and every one of them that have been made public, that we would have a brand new president in office, and the incumbent would move out of the White House. Do you know that? Do you know why that is? It's very, very simple. Number one, the polls that we know about aren't all the truth. And number two, voters are exceedingly fickle. If you are an elected official and you do one thing wrong, Landon, I'm probably going to change my vote. The insanity of all of that is simply that we have this man in office and because coronavirus hit, and then and an, a horrible and unfortunate murder takes place on a street, it's his fault. Therefore, we're going to trade in all the gains that we have here for what promises to be the reversal of everything. Someone please help me with the logic of that. 
So the problem isn't simply with our elected officials. The problem is that, that we, we, both as citizens of the United States and as citizens of the kingdom of God nationwide, not, I'm not talking specifically about CWC in Corsicana, Texas. I'm talking about the body of Christ at large in America. We have completely abdicated the responsibility of governing to those in office instead of taking the responsibility of holding them accountable for what we want them to do on our behalf. What does it say? Government for the people by the people. Not elected elites. And since we have abdicated our responsibilities to them, they're going to do exactly what you'd expect them to do. I want you to listen to this quote by Reverend James Garfield, the 20th president of the United States and and a minister of the gospel. The people are responsible for the character of her Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these high qualities. If the next centennial does not find us a great nation. It will be because those who represent the enterprise, the culture, and the morality of the nation do not aid in controlling the political forces. Do you know why we're in the condition we're in right now? Two reasons. Number one, prophecy requires that we end up somewhere. And number two, as will be pointed out very late in this message, the body of Christ has abdicated our responsibilities as American citizens in the control of political forces. As a result of the citizens' tolerance of ignorance Recklessness and corruption. The current climate in America is a runaway locomotive of anti-Christ, anti-Christian, pro-humanism, socialist, and Marxist philosophies and sentiments. We are on the cusp of a political, philosophical, ideological, tectonic shift of catastrophic proportions. This is a moment... Right now, look at me, right now, this is the moment, before the moment, where everyday people who said it can never happen here will say, I didn't believe that it could actually happen here. We are in the moment before the moment where that is the result. Last week, I was listening to the radio, 
And uh, I typically don't listen to music on the radio. I listen to talk radio. And I was listening to Ben Shapiro. And he made this reference. And so I am robbing Mr. Shapiro right now. It's a confession. I'm a former Catholic. Confession's a big deal to me. How many Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit fans do we have in the house? And don't be afraid to raise your hand. Oh, come on, you liars. Let's raise your hands. Come on now. Okay. There is a place in the original Fellowship of the Ring. There's this scene where they, the, the, the Fellowship has entered the caverns of a place named Moria. Everybody, I, you know what's funny? All those people out there that didn't raise their hands, they're looking at each other going, yeah, I know that scene. And going into Moria, it is a vast, cavernous expanse, a labyrinth of tunnels and chambers and steps. And, and as soon as they enter Moria, very shortly thereafter, one of the key characters in the story, his name is Gandalf the Grey, realizes he's forgotten how to get from the entrance they came into to the exit that they're seeking. And so the resultant effect is this scene where everybody in the fellowship is sitting around doing a whole lot of nothing, waiting for Gandalf to remember. And there's a discussion going on between Gandalf and one of the other, if not the other, key character, Frodo Baggins. And Frodo is in a discussion with Gandalf about a creature who's been following them, and his name is Gollum. And this conversation commences, and they're discussing how this creature is in pursuit of the ring of power that Frodo possesses. Because this ring is the key to the destruction, finally, of all evil in Middle-earth. And this golem is pursuing Frodo because he wants the ring back. Because he possessed it for a very long time. And Frodo makes the statement to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish... The ring had never come to me. As Christians and as Americans, we wish that the circumstances that we see unfolding in our country right now, we wish that this ring had never come to us. But it has. And we need to fight this fight. A fight that we did not ask for, and a fight that we did not start. But it's the fight that we have before us. Now, if you are a fan of Tolkien and have watched those films or have read his books, you'll know that the fight that was before them to get the ring to the mountain of fire was anything but a cakewalk with losses along the way. 
Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me now. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, you're going to wake up in November and you are going to be on a wholesale level unprepared for what is meant about to unfold before you. Know this, that this is happening. That our country is the most divided thing I have ever seen in my now very near 56 years of age on this earth. There's always been differences of opinions. Democratic, Republic, and anybody else who wants to throw their name in on the ticket. But there has been nothing like this. Our current circumstances are not what they were in yesteryear. They are not even what they were in yesterdecade. This is not partisan politics that we're looking at. Republican versus Democrat. Differing in matters of trade, foreign policy, and taxation. This is ideological warfare that you and I face right now. Our current circumstances make the difference. The differences of old look like child's play. Our current circumstances can only be viewed as an all-out war between political ideologies, capitalism versus socialism, freedom versus, freedom versus oppression, light versus dark, and good versus evil. I want you to let that sink in. Because this is our world today, the United States of America. Not so united anymore. In this war, we as Christians and citizen patriots have to know that we will be required by our profession of faith to actually profess our faith. The Bible says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 that we are to speak the truth in love. This is how we must proceed. No more quiet Christian. No more spiritual Mr. Nice Guy. No more knowing that that person is wrong and deceived and deluded, but holding back because you don't want to offend. This world is filled with offense. It's time that the cross stands up again and offends the kingdom of darkness, which you and I face this morning. This is how we must proceed. Boldly speaking the truth in love. If the Great Commission is our marching orders, then Ephesians 4 is our strategy. In our text, this is hope. What I'm about to read to you, this is hope. In our text, the psalmist asked the question, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? You want to know the single most interesting thing about that question? 
The single most interesting thing about that very question is this. That question, what can the righteous do, can also be interpreted as this. Do you see that? What is the righteous one doing? That changes everything. Listen, with that in, 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 in mind, what's on the screen right now, with that in mind, listen to Psalm 11 and 1. In the Lord, you don't, this isn't going to go up on the screen. We don't have it there. In the Lord, I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you read those three verses with that in mind, all those terrible things, and then ask the question, what is the righteous one doing? While all this is going on, the psalmist says, what is the righteous one doing? Well, you want to know what? I think we need to find out what the righteous one is doing. Amen? So let's look. Let's finish Psalm chapter 11. Verse 4. What is the righteous one doing? Let's answer that. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His heavenly throne. He observes the sons of men. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked... And those who love violence, his soul hates. On the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord, verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. Go ahead. What is the righteous one doing when the, when the evil ones are, are pulling their bows, hiding in, in darkness, seeking to take out the righteous? What is the righteous one doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He is high and lifted up, and he is seated upon a throne, and he is taking notes, and he is watching everything. Nothing escapes his purview. And when it is all said and done, those who are hiding in darkness, seeking to take the lives of the righteous, which is happening right now in America, he is there to take the heat of the wind of God. And that is going to be what they receive. That is what he's doing. He's taking notes. He is watching it all. And there will be a recompense for their reward. And we, we're going to see his face. They that wait upon the Lord. 
he shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and they will not be weary. They will run and they will not faint. Ladies and gentlemen, this is happening in our country, whether you want to accept it or believe it or not. We live in the single most divided time in our history, with the exception, maybe, of the time of the Civil War in Lincoln. Ladies and gentlemen, to say that the country needs prayer is almost buffoonish in its obviousness. So pray. But don't just pray. Shall I tell you, flat-footed, face-to-face, eyes wide open, if all you're doing is praying, you're wasting your time. This is a time for action. This is a time for action. How old is Erlene Reagan? How old is Erlene? I can't even see that far, man. 92 years old. 92 years old. Now, some of you don't even know who Erlene Reagan is. Erlene Reagan is a member of this church shortly after God invented dirt. She walked in and said, ooh, this is good dirt. You have a membership card. She was a right arm in this church for decades. You know what she's doing right now? She may be doing it right now. I don't know what her schedule is. I don't know if this has changed at all. I haven't asked. That little old lady sits in her retirement facility teaching Bible on Sundays. You know why? Because gals like her believe in action. Not just prayer. Amen? Amen. Well, I can't because I, I blah, blah, blah. You know what? You're wrong. Look at me. This is a time in history where we don't play games anymore. If you're a church player, get out. Get out because you ain't doing a thing for yourself playing church. Why waste your time behind church doors listening to someone like me when you could be out getting drunk if all you're doing is playing church? Why would you sit here in this place because the music is good or the preaching is good or brother and sister Johnson were my pastors 135 point two three years ago and I want to be where they are and that's the only reason you're here get out just get out it's pointless you are wasting your time but if you are a member blood-bought spirit-filled member of the body of Christ that I'm going to tell you right now. God doesn't expect you just to get on your knees. He expects you to get on your feet for beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. 
I do not seek to offend a single individual, but in the coming weeks I just may. Not because I'm seeking to. Not because I'm looking to say things that are controversial or anything. Now, they will be controversial. Because all I have to do is not repent of my racism, and I'm a racist. But I'm going to look you squarely in the eye and remember that cute little iPhone that's staring me in the eyes right there at my 12 o'clock is going to put this out on the Internet in no time flat. And I'm going to go on record right now letting you know that if you are a born-again Christian who believes the Word of God as the holy God-breathed writ of the kingdom, it is impossible for you to be a racist. And if you think Black Lives Matter, the organization is saying that Black Lives Matter, you are a fool of multiple kinds. They are self-proclaimed Marxists who are actively seeking to overthrow the nuclear family in America. And I'm calling you out! I will not sit by and let truth slide from this pulpit not being said because ultimately I don't answer to the congregation at Calvary Worship Center. I answer to Jehovah God and I will bow before His throne. And if I have anything to say about it, He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, because I refuse to not preach what is real. I'm going to close. What, that's when I get an amen? I'm going to close with this quote from Reverend Charles Finney, revivalist and college president. Reverend Finney said, The time has come that Christians must vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. Christians have been exceedingly guilty in this matter, but the time has come when they must act differently. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take. Stand with me across this auditorium. Father, we worship you. We exalt you and we acknowledge you in this house. And my Lord, with the fear of God and trembling in my very being, we acknowledge you, Lord. Lord God, you go ahead and pray in the Spirit. Shundi marakasi, mandi marabaranda mena marakasa ta baba babaranda. Mino moroto mi kasi Father, we exalt your name in all the earth. You are God and we are not. Shiki marata borosundi makatara namarundo. Father, we lament the current position of our nation. 
Father, it's taken a long time to get here, but here we are. And Father, right now we bow our heads. Father, in the outside hope that you will hear our prayer. Because, Father, there were times where the children of God knowingly, openly, intentionally turned their backs on God to do what they wanted to do. This is the chosen people of God. And you told them openly, you will pray and I will not answer you. That's the word of God. But Lord, this morning, on the outside chance that you will hear the prayers of us. Everybody join me. Everybody joining me. We repent. We repent right now of not being the godly force in this world that we are supposed to have been. We have taken our Christianity and our spirituality cavalierly, casually, lightly. And we have made, if measurements were taken, we have made but a small, small impact. So, Father, we repent in Jesus' name for what is our fault. Father, I pray you hear our prayer. And that, Lord God, you do a thing that is uniquely vintage God in our country. Father, we bow our knees before you if an imminent end is on the docket, we bow our knee accepting the will of God. But Father, that's not going to keep us from believing in faith that you have the power to do something that heretofore has not been done here. So Father, I just ask that you heal our land. Father, I know that you're not going to heal our land unless we do our part. You're not going to heal it. It's not going to happen unless we do our part. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. Jesus. So Father... Pray your guidance and direction in the future weeks coming, Father, to address this now in Jesus' holy name. This is my prayer. This is my hope. And Father, I ask that you would take this group of people away from this church right now. And that, Lord God, you would do a thing in all of our hearts and help us to grasp the gravity of the circumstances and that Father we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches so that we might change first 
and then change others next. Father, we worship you and glorify you. Can we just take a minute and worship him? Can we just take a minute? Just take a minute. If you're in a hurry, if you're in a hurry, and you have to leave, that is more than okay. But I just want the body here gathered at Calvary Worship Center. to pause in the presence of God. Let's just pause. If you need a place to bow, find one. It doesn't have to be at the altar. It can be anywhere. Father, we worship you. We exalt you. And Father, we see the task at hand. We see the task at hand. Ask the Lord, ask Him, what do I need to do? What's my role? What do I need to be doing? Ask Him. Does everybody here know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you do, you can ask Him, and He will answer you. He refers to Himself as Father and to you as children. Ask Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Next week, we're going to pursue this as God directs. We're going to pursue this. And we're going to continue to ask the Lord to do a work in His people so that His people can do a work in the country. Amen? Quietly, very quietly now. If you need to make your way out of the sanctuary to be at wherever you're going, Quietly, make your way out of the sanctuary. There may be some who want to, to linger. Go with God. Be blessed today. God actively seeks to bless His children. Thank you.